This is Leslie. And Sarah. And this is the third episode of our new podcast. And uh, today's kind of an update episode. Um, We're just going to be talking about a lot of the different things that are going on, uh, different updates about uh, where we're at in our preparations for beginning to work in Japan. And uh, we've got a lot of different things to talk about. We're going to be talking about the paperwork. We're going to be talking about the packing that we're doing. Um, some other things related to our stuff move. today. Yeah, we've actually got some interesting stuff to talk about. But then finally, we're going to be talking about the coronavirus. So we're going to be you know, sharing some of what we've been thinking about that. But we'll get into that at the very end. So first, we want to start off by talking about uh, the paperwork. So... We had a little bit of a hiccup in our paperwork Um, in, when was it, January, at the very beginning of January, um, uh, some of the church members in Japan, they uh, officially submitted the paperwork for what's called the uh, Certificate of Eligibility, in Japanese, the Zairyu Shikakunin Te Shoumeisho. And uh, I'm saying that mostly not to impress you, but um, in order for me to remember the word, because it's a really long word and I have forgotten it uh, probably about as many times as I have learned it. Anyway, um, that certificate of eligibility is basically the government giving us the green light to go to Japan, but the COE is not a visa. It's so, not what gets us into Japan. No. If I just brought the COE to Japan, if they get sent it to me and I came and landed with the COE, they would say, sorry, buddy, you need your visa. And so the COE is a green light, but it's not the actual visa that we need. We have to get what's called a religious activities visa. And that visa actually allows us to do the work there in Japan and to live there and be residents. But the COE basically is the government saying you're good to get that visa. So what happens is once they get the COE in Japan, they will mail that to us. And then once we get it, we have to send it to the embassy here, which then turns it around and gives us the visa in response. I'm not sure what the purpose is for all of that, but that's the way that it works. They get the COE in Japan, they send it here, we get the visa. I can tell you what the purpose is. (laughs) There's a saying that the West created bureaucracy and Japan perfected it. And so that's what this process is. That's probably a large part of it. They do love their bureaucracy there. And honestly, like, I I kind of understand. My guess is that maybe the embassy just has some tools for checking on the person that uh, the immigration office doesn't have. Because obviously the embassy is going to be in the person's original country. So, for example, if you're a criminal, the embassy might be able to look at into that and say, oh, yeah, this guy's actually a criminal. He lied on that paperwork or whatever. So I, I don't know. That's my guess. But at any rate, that's what we have to do. So, back to the point about the hiccup. So, in January, early January, they sent in for our paperwork, and we got it, and they mailed it to us, and then I called the embassy to check on some things, and they said, well, actually, all of you need a COE, and only I had gotten the COE, the the Certificate of Eligibility. So, what had happened is, when I filled out the paperwork, on the paperwork, um, there's a spot where you write the names of the people who are going to be living with you. And so I assumed, since I'm actually the person getting the visa, I'm the one who gets the religious activities visa, Sarah and the kids all get dependent visas. So I figured they would give that to me, 
the actual visa, the, the religious activities visa, and then they would give Sarah and the kids theirs. And since I wrote their names on there, I just assumed they understood that these people would be coming with me. That's the way that I thought about it when I filled it out. You wrote our names and we sent in our pictures and all of our supporting documents. We just didn't fill in applications for yes. the rest of us. Yes, exactly. We filled out everything except the applications, basically. And we didn't pick that up. And our friends in Japan who were helping us out didn't pick that up. And so uh, we got it and found out that I got my COE, but nobody else did. So I have the green light and I'm currently, I've already sent my stuff in just here recently to go ahead and, and get the visa. Um, but the kids and Sarah still don't have theirs. So right now we expect if things go as quickly as they did last time. So if the immigration office turns the paperwork around and gets the COE back in the same time frame that they did mine, then probably next week, so we're recording this on a Friday, this is Friday, March the 6th, isn't it? Yeah, March 6th. Yeah. Um, and so uh, probably next week we'll get our certificate of eligibility. Now, I can't say that 100%, who knows? Especially with the coronavirus going around now, I have no idea will that make it slower i'm not sure i don't it's obviously not going to make it any faster um, because next week is the time frame in which i got mine so it's at least going to be the same amount of time but we'll see either way we can't do anything until we get that so the hope is that as soon as they get it there we're hoping that they can send it the quickest route possible and send it here to the states as quickly as possible and then we're going to send it as quickly as possible as we can to the embassy and have them turn it around as quickly as possible as well. So um, if, if, if we get this next week, then possibly we could be ready to go by the end of March. That's a possibility, um, you know, by like the last week of March. It may not be till like the first week of April. We'll see. At the end of the day, we don't really know until we get the paperwork. Now, the, the, the problem is, I have to be gone by April 24th because my certificate of eligibility came in on January 24th. Therefore, I have three months to use it, and if I don't, it expires. So I have to be using mine by April 24th. It is maybe possible to get an extension, but then our friends would have to go back into the immigration office, and I would really like to avoid having to send them back there for multiple reasons. So right now, that's what we're waiting on. We're waiting on getting those COEs. Hopefully we'll get them next week and then we can get the paperwork underway and we'll be ready to go uh, well before my COE would expire. But we'll see what happens. So please be in prayer for that. Pray that it'll go smoothly. Pray that it'll go quickly and that we'll be able to get uh, everything done in a timely fashion. So that's where we are in terms, uh, where we are in terms of our paperwork. Um, yeah. So we're just in, in the, the holding pattern in the moment while we wait to get that extra stuff. But hopefully that will be soon. So that's that part as far as our updates go. Um, the next part is something probably Sarah will talk a lot more about, uh, packing. Um, I've been doing some packing, but uh, a lot of the packing involves not just her stuff, but also stuff for the kids and things like that. And so she's dealing a lot with that. So uh, Sarah, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're thinking about packing, what's involved in all of that, and uh, you can share kind of your experience with that so far. Yeah, I was going to say I'm not terribly distraught about being pushed back a couple weeks because I am nowhere near being ready to <laughs> ship our stuff to Japan and move. Um, 
Boy, I can say one thing. I am never again going to say I'm so glad we're done moving because every time I say that, <laughs> we end up moving again. Um, I remember back when we left Japan last time, I was like, this is easily the hardest thing I've ever done. And now we're doing it again. So um, it's it's hard to decide what to bring. Obviously, we cannot bring furniture because one, that would be astronomical in price to ship. Um, but two, apartments over there are very small and American furniture is not going to fit into those apartments. So at least we don't have to worry about furniture or big things like that. But then we're just left with, um, you know, things we use every day. For me, it's a lot of things in my kitchen, um, which sounds silly, but like I have cutting boards that my mom gave me or um, crocs that I keep the snacks in and it, things like that that I'm trying to decide. Like if we stayed in the States, um, I would absolutely keep them because they're nice to have around and see every day. But when we're moving, it's like, do I really need this 20-year-old cutting board that is like worn through almost? Um, thankfully, we have the benefit of being able to store things here. Uh, and so I can look at things. I'm kind of dividing things into three different categories. One is things we just don't need and need to bless and release. Um, two is things that we would like to have someday down the line, but really don't need in Japan. And so we're going to pack those up and keep them here. And then three are the things that, no, I know that we will use this. We use this every day here. And I really want this to come to Japan with us. I guess I kind of have a subset of that, of things that I'm going to store here, but want available for us to say, hey, could you please ship that to us if we decide that we want it um, over in Japan? And that might be things like, for example, the crock that I keep the snacks in. Is it a necessity? No. But when we get there and I see that I have space on my counter for it, and I really would like that little touch of pottery that reminds me of my mom, then I might ask if someone can send it to me. Um, right now, honestly, the biggest thing that we've done is runs to Goodwill. Um, there's a lot of stuff. We did We did a yard sale last year, but yard sales are hard, man. <laughs> and yeah, I really are. don't want to do another one. they're not always very uh, fruitful. No, it's not worth the time you put into it. But I was thinking about it today and just how blessed we have been by people who have contributed to our moving costs and um in the past we have felt that pressure to sell things like list this on craigslist have another yard sale let's try to sell this thing for five dollars because every little five dollars adds up but i was thinking that god has really blessed us this time uh, well he blesses us always but <laughs> at least in this one area I have felt so much peace about, Sarah, you can just bring this to goodwill. You don't have to stress about selling every little thing for every little penny that you can get. Um, so that has been a huge relief to me. I did clean out the kids' room last weekend. And so now this week I gave them each a box, um, like 18 by 18 by 16, and said, whatever you can fit into this box, we'll bring to Japan. Everything else we will put in the closet and keep here and someday, if you want it, we can get it. But that's the hardest part is with the kids, especially one of our kids in particular. Everything is very sentimental to that she child. She for me. Yeah, she does. <laughs> Definitely that way. I'm not even touching Leslie's stuff. <laughs> I'm a bit of a hoarder. 
So, I mean, that's basically where we are. I'm looking around right now and we are just surrounded with boxes and stuff, but slowly but surely we'll get there. We've done it every time and we'll make it. Yeah. And for me, you know, a lot of the packing has involved just stuff from my office. You know, I I have books obviously that I need to ship, but that's hard right now because I'm still using some of the material. So trying to choose, you know, which books do I put away and I don't want to see or I'm okay with not seeing possibly for a couple of months and which ones do I really still need right now for my preparation for things and so on and so forth. And that also becomes very difficult because it's still not clear when we're leaving. So, you know, we're kind of just in such a holding pattern and it's like we know we have to prepare, but we're also still not sure when we're leaving and that makes life really difficult you know, right now, um, just trying to get things done while still not knowing exactly when you're going to go. Um, but anyway, you know, it'll all come together. And the, the reality is once we get our COEs in Japan, then we're going to know we're leaving really soon. Um, that's going to, that's going to tell us we're, we're certainly within a month of leaving, possibly within three weeks or less of leaving. So that's part of why we have to kind of get things done now because once we get those COEs, we're going to be like, oh man, it's almost time to go. <laughs> so we really got to get a lot done now. So it's not quite so much pressure when that day comes. So I certainly appreciate everything Sarah's been doing. She's been doing a whole lot of work on the packing end and uh, that definitely helps out a whole lot. I did want to add in one thing that has been helpful is that the first year that we ever lived in Japan, we brought, I think, 14 small boxes No, that was the second time. The first time we went, we brought suitcases and that was it. I think we maybe shipped one box. So anyway, we brought hardly anything with us and that was like the best year ever. Yeah. And so just knowing we've done it before with only clothes, like we didn't even bring toys for Cambria. Yeah, we really, I mean, of course at that time we only had Cambria and she was really little and Sarah was pregnant with Madeline. Um, But yeah, I mean, we really, and I think... uh, Brent and Sandy, they provided a lot of stuff for us. They mm-hmm. gave us like our refrigerator and the the um, appliances and stuff. Yeah, they like basically provided. everything came from them. Yeah, but just knowing that we have done it so minimalistically in the yeah. past is a relief. Like, hey, it's okay if we don't bring everything that we own with us. Yeah, like you'll be amazed what you don't need. <laughs> you know, you feel like, oh, I need this, and then you get there, like I really don't need this, and wow, this is just taking up unnecessary space. Which is definitely, I mean, that's a benefit now of having both sides of it. We've been in the time where we were very minimalistic, and we've also been in the time where we had a bit more stuff. So we kind of know the in-between realm that we feel comfortable with, what we really need, what we don't need. We have an idea of the amount of space that we'll actually have, and uh, that's very helpful, certainly, I think. I had a friend one time who was getting really into the minimalist movement, and she was asking me, how did you do that? And I said, just moved overseas. Like, (laughs) if you want to do it my way, just go move across the ocean. That'll help a lot. Yeah, force yourself, and then there you go. I mean, we did leave a lot of stuff, to be fair. You know, say we're minimalistic. We left a lot of stuff in the States. So we did get rid of a lot of stuff, though, too, to be honest. I mean, when we left that first time, we sold almost everything. I mean, we sold a lot of stuff. We did leave some things, but it was all boxes. We didn't have like any TV, any uh, furniture, nothing. We were pretty much empty on that end. So anyway, um, you know, thinking about space, thinking about how much space we have, that actually leads into another thing we want to talk about, which is uh, an apartment. And one of the things that's difficult is getting an apartment before you're there. Um, We really need an apartment and we need that apartment for a couple of reasons. 
but namely, I mean, really first and foremost, so we have somewhere to mail stuff. <laughs> you know, if you mail stuff there, we have friends that we can mail it to. We can mail it to, you know, the Kawakamis. We can mail it to Sanpeisan or whatever. The problem is then it goes to their house and they don't want all our junk hanging around their house. You know, yeah. they don't have a lot of space either. And then we have to go and pick it up from them, but we're not going to have a car when we first get there. So getting all that stuff from them would just be a, a hassle and put unnecessary pressure on them, which we don't really want to do. So the question is, what you know, what do we do? Well, we really need a place to ship it. Now we could leave it here. We could leave it here in the States and label some stuff and, and have my parents possibly ship it. But then that's a burden on them as well. And they already have too much stuff on their plates. So really what we need is an apartment to have place uh, a place to, to ship it to. So we've been looking on a site called uh, Sumo. It's, it's not Sumo in the way that we think about <laughs> it. Like we think like Sumo, like, you know, Sumo Wrestler. And it's spelled differently. Um, there's actually like two U's. And I'm not exactly sure, but I think that they mean it. It has to do with uh, living because... Um, Sumu means to uh, to live somewhere. Um, like, uh, you know, I, I live in this city is like Matsuroni Sundeiru. Sundeiru is like to, to live in this place. So I think that's what it has to do with, but I'm not 100% sure. At any rate, um, that's how it's spelled. So it's not the sumo wrestler thing. But on this website, you basically can find listings of uh, rental properties and things like that around the area. And so we have been looking a whole lot. And just recently, we found an apartment that we really, really like. Actually, we had found one like maybe a week or two ago that we liked. But then um, when we looked into it, we weren't able to, to do it. They had already passed the time for the application process. So then this one just popped up a couple of days ago. And, and Sanpei-san, when we had talked to her about it, she said, you know, if you see something like this pop up that you like, you need to jump on it. You need to start moving on it like immediately. So we found this one and I immediately texted Sanpei-san and said, hey, you know, if is this possible? And so she called the, the Fudo-san. The Fudo-san is like the, the realtor or whatever. And the, the realtor said, yeah, it's open. And so she helped us out a whole lot with the paperwork and things that we needed to do. And so we uh, actually just sent that paperwork in yesterday. Um, Sanpei-san, again, she helped us out a ton. I mean, she is so busy. She's a principal of a kindergarten. And you can imagine on top of being a principal of a kindergarten in Tokyo, she's a principal of a kindergarten in Tokyo while there's a virus going around. So <laughs> she is very, very busy on top of just other things she has in her own personal life. And she's been doing a whole lot to help us. And we are incredibly grateful for that help. But uh, anyway, so this apartment, what are what are some of the things that uh, we like about the apartment? Oh, OK. So I already said that apartments there are very small. Um, and we have three kids who are getting bigger and bigger. But this apartment that we found is a two-story apartment. So while the rooms are still the same as they might be in a one-story apartment, I think breaking it up really helps. Like if kids need to separate from each other or parents need to separate from the kids, um, you know, some people can go upstairs, some can go downstairs, and it just gives you the illusion of privacy yeah. if you need that. And it's also nice because... You know, if I have like a desk and Sarah's in my room upstairs and, you know, usually I'm going to try to work at the office at the church building, but let's say that for some reason I need to stay home, um, you know, or I just have some other stuff to do that I wouldn't necessarily do at the church building. Well, in that case, I can be upstairs in our room and Sarah and the kids can be doing homeschool and stuff downstairs. And, you know, theoretically, we should be able to kind of be separated from each other in that way. And, and uh, we can all do the work that we need to do. 
It's also nice because then if we have somebody over who's having like, let's say we're having a Bible study with somebody and we're studying the Bible and they come over to our house and we want to study downstairs, well, the kids can go upstairs and they can play upstairs um, in the kids' room. And so there's some options there too that allows us to, again, separate, gives that sort of sense of privacy and separation um, that I think is, is very useful for us personally and even in terms of, of ministry. I just thought about the fact that that also means we won't be above someone stomping and bothering them. Yeah, that's right. Um, we'll be next to people, but we yeah, won't we'll be, be above right them. next to people. There will be walls in between us, but there won't be floors and ceilings in between us, which would also be really, really nice. The other thing that we really like about this place is its location. So first of all, it's in a residential area and it's only no more than 10 minutes from the church building walking. Like it's probably like seven or eight minutes walk to the church building. Um, And so that's really nice for me, you know, going up there and and working at the church building, I can do that. It's also like maybe 30 seconds of a walk from a big playground that the Mm -hmm. kids can go to. I think we can see that park from the apartment. Probably theoretically. Yeah, yeah, probably we could we could be able to see it from back there. Um, and so it's, I mean, it's right there, uh, right next to this playground. And on top of that, it's also in a residential area. So there's a lot of, I, I think, young families who live in that area. So that park probably is going to have a lot of kids there who are playing, which means our kids can make friends. We can meet other people. And also, I, I imagine, I'm not 100% sure about this, but my anticipation is that, so, so this apartment is actually part of a townhouse. So we have apartments right next to each other. And my guess is that with this townhouse, most of the people in there are probably going to be young families. So that's really, really good for us to be able to have the potential to live right next to other families that we can hopefully connect with. And it may produce some opportunities. This is our prayer that it would produce opportunities to, again, spread the gospel, make disciples and uh, connect with people in ways that might be fruitful for the kingdom. And so we're really excited about that. And so it's a really great location. Uh, Sampesan, she agreed completely. She was like, yeah, this definitely is a great location. This is a really good place to live, which is part of why she was so willing to help us out, you know, with this. Um, It's also only three minutes from the kindergarten that Boston's going to be going to, which is also the kindergarten that Madeline went to. Um, In Japan, this kindergarten is called a yochian. So if I say yochian, understand that that's what it means. Um, So this last week, I asked a friend to help me draft and translate um, an email to the principal of the kindergarten that Madeline went to just asking like, hey, we're moving back to Japan in March or April. Um, School starts in April over there. So I said, I know we're a little late for applying, but would it be possible for Boston to join the third year class of the kindergarten whenever we get there. And she wrote back and said, yep, that's totally fine. Just let me know when you get here. So we're really excited about that. Boston's really excited about that too, which that's a little hard for me because he's been so, so much a mama's boy since he was born. Um, But it's also really cool to see him growing up and to know that this is really going to help him. We noticed with the girls both that their year at Yochian just that's what made them fluent in Japanese. And so I'm I'm thankful for the opportunity for Boston to be able to learn Japanese fluently like his sisters did. Um, but also it's a Christian Yochian. And so we're so glad just to know we can entrust him into the hands of people who share the same values that we do and who are going to 
teach him right things. Yeah, I mean, he'll actually learn, for example, how to pray in Japanese. They'll pray in Japanese when they eat at lunch and things like that. They learn memory verses. Yeah, they learn memory verses. I mean, it's it's a really great opportunity. And being that close, again, gives us some great opportunities for uh, networking with young families who have kids um, and who are at least open to right. Christianity in some way. I mean, they certainly wouldn't be sending their kids to a Christian Yochian if they were totally opposed to it, right? More than likely. So we feel like this is a really great opportunity to make those connections um, and to, again, to do good work in that community. This is exactly where we would like to be at. This is where kind of, honestly, this is sort of a dream scenario. This is a really good opportunity for us. This apartment is nice, it's clean, it's new, which also means it's also probably built very safe, um, you know, up to modern standards. It has everything we need. And it's a great place in our, our thinking anyway, for, you know, fruitfulness, spiritual fruitfulness. So we would definitely request your prayers for that. Please be praying that if God is willing, that he'll grant us, you know, favor in the eyes of the realtor and uh, get us this apartment so that we can, you know, live there and do work there and, uh, you know, serve in, in that community. So, uh, of course, we have looked at some other apartments. It's no, no guarantee that we'll get this one. So we've been paying attention to a few other places and you know we'll see what happens but right now we're focused on this one and if that doesn't come through then we'll worry about that down the road um but let, let me say one thing actually i don't i don't think we explained this but the way that apartments work in japan so our apartment is what's called a 2ldk or the one that we're looking at i should say this isn't our apartment yet but the one that we're looking at is called a a 2ldk and you can have different kinds. You can have like a 1LDK, a 3LDK, or you could have like a 2DK, a 3DK, a 3K. The way that works out is the two means the number of bedrooms. So a 2LDK has two bedrooms. The L and the D mean living dining, and then the K means kitchen. So a 2LDK is an apartment with two bedrooms, a living space, a dining space, and a kitchen space. Now. In the case of this apartment, the LDK are really all together. The kitchen and the living and the dining are really part of one big room. And uh, they just have enough space to be able to do all of that. It's still pretty small. I think this one is like about a 750 square feet in size. And, uh, you know, that's probably kind of small by American standards. But they really manage it pretty well. And I think we'll be able to, to work it out pretty well. So um, anyway, that's what we're looking at right now down the road we might have to find somewhere bigger as the kids get a little bit older we'll see but at least right now this would be absolutely fantastic um it's i what think we we're both at a place where we can feel peace about whether we get the apartment or not just knowing that god's hand is in this and that he is going to place us where he desires us to be for whatever yeah. his purposes are and that's such a, a burden lifted from us because i think in the past so many times we're just like, we need to hurry up and do this. We need to do this. What if we don't get this? Like, just panic mode. Um, and I was thinking about Abraham this morning. And there's this the, a quote that is not from the Bible, but I've heard people saying, um, the only thing worse than waiting on God's timing is wishing you had. Yeah. And so I think about that with this apartment. And I was thinking about Abraham and how he did not wait on God's timing. And that caused a lot of problems. 
And so I, I'm sure that he felt like, man, I really wish I had waited on God's timing. And so for us, even if we don't get this dream apartment, what we consider to be a dream apartment, um, we feel peace knowing that God is guiding us. And that is a huge blessing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in the end, wherever we go, our prayer has been that God would send us to a place where we could be fruitful, where we would be surrounded by people who are searching, that he would put us in the right place to connect to people who are, are searching for him, who are open to the gospel, and that he would lead us to a place to be fruitful. That's what we want. We're not just going here just so I can preach at the church. We're going here to make disciples. We're going here to teach people the gospel. And so our prayer has been that God would be preparing the specific address for us to be at so that we can do the best work. Now, we would love, of course, to have a nicer apartment, of course, but even if our apartment isn't super great, if we are in a good place to do good work for God's kingdom, that will bring the greatest amount of joy. You know, I think about, what is it, Marie Kondo, you know, what sparks yeah. joy. You know, the thing that sparks joy to me most of all about our apartment is knowing that we're producing fruit for the kingdom of God. That's what I want to know. And so uh, wherever God sends us, we trust he has already provided above and beyond yes. what uh, we, you know, might have expected. He has already brought us so far. And we know that he'll bring us to the right place. And so we would love for this to be the right place, of course. <laughs> but And we pray that. Yes, we do. Um, and we know God listens. That's a yes. good thing. We can share those desires with him. But at the end of the day, we also know that he's going to provide the place for us to be fruitful. And so that's what we're excited about. But if he does put us in this place, you know, it's also been my prayer that he's preparing the people who are going to live next door to us. You know, the people who are going to be our neighbors and so on and so forth. And so um, if you would pray all of that, pray you know, that he would bless us with this apartment if he's willing, but if he's not, that wherever he sends us will be a place where we can be fruitful and that he'll be preparing our neighbors and those around us and us for those people as well. So that again, we can be fruitful. That's the desire. That's the goal. That's the purpose. I want to share a story about that, that we were talking about this morning that I had not thought about for the last 10 years. Um, 10 years ago, when we moved to Kojima, we were looking for an apartment and it had come down to two apartments. One was on one side of town that was closer to where Leslie was working. And another one was closer to the stores and the center central part of town. And uh, what made us think about this, by the way, is the fact that this apartment that we're looking at is similar in a kind of, in a way to the kind of apartment complex we lived in, in, in Kojima. But yeah. So um, we ended up choosing the apartment that was closer to the shops and like we there were I think there were um four units in that apartment but there was kind of a courtyard in between like six different buildings where there were um families and and people with small children so the people who lived right next door to us I I smiled at them when I saw them I said kawaii to their kids which means cute um, but I really could not speak a lot of Japanese. And it wasn't until really the last month that we were there that we actually did anything socially with them, I think. But the people who moved in after us who were um, kind of taking our place there to be vocational missionaries and to work at the kindergarten, they became close with that family. And that family became Christians. And I'm... I. It wasn't until today, 10 years later, that I saw that God had put us there for something that was going to happen after we had left, yeah. that his hand was in 
in that decision before we ever even knew it and that it took me this yeah. long to realize that. Yep. And, you know, I mean, we've seen that so many times. I mean, we saw it in that scenario, which is specific to where we were living, but we also saw it with our friend now who was baptized in Matsudo that we met her, you know, right when we did. And then she ended up moving nearby. I mean, you know, God, God's hand is in all of these things to pull people to him, those who are searching, those who have a heart for him. And so really it's up to him. It's not up to us. We don't have, and that's the great thing. We don't have to sit around worrying like, oh, if I make this decision, it's going to mess things up or whatever. God knows he's in charge. And so we can trust him in that. So we would love for this department to be the one, um, but we know that God's got it in his hands and he's going to lead us to the place where we can be fruitful because that's been our prayer. That's his desire. That's why we're going. That's why he sends us. That's why he sends, and not just us, but everybody so that that can happen. And so uh, we're excited to be a part of that. So, okay. So, um, that is uh, basically the, the main updates. There is one more super fun thing we get to talk about here. The one you've all been waiting for. Yes. <laughs> here it comes. Drum roll, please. Coronavirus. <laughs> right. Um, okay. So as you probably know, there's been this virus that is uh, spreading across the globe that began in China. And, um, you know, obviously it has spread to a lot of people. I believe there's over... 100,000 cases worldwide that have been recorded now. There's been several thousand deaths, unfortunately, related to it. And there's been a lot of fear, a lot of panic, a lot of people buying uh, massive amounts of toilet paper, um, you know, stockpiling, ready for the ensuing apocalypse. Um, You know, and so uh, I think, obviously, that's on the minds of a lot of people. It's been in the media. It's been in, you know, all the news, on the radio. People are talking about it. People are preparing. And so a lot of people have been asking us, how is this going to impact your plans to go to Japan? So, of course, this is something we want to take seriously. Um, You know, it is a virus. It is dangerous. Um, It has killed a lot of people. And um, it's not done yet. You know, it's it's really just beginning. It's new. There's a lot of things we don't know about it. Um, We're, you know, learning. There's obviously the experts are learning things and studying and finding out more information. Um, but obviously it has spread to Japan. So let's look at a couple of stats here first. We'll, we'll think about some of the stats that we've been paying attention to. So right now, confirmed cases in Japan, there's just about 400 confirmed cases as of this recording right now. Now that doesn't include about 700 cases that were on the uh, Diamond Princess, that um, cruise ship that was off just in the water there in Japan. So if you include that, it's it's over a thousand, but those started on that. And I think who the uh, World Health Organization actually separated officially the Diamond Princess from Japan. So officially Japan itself by whose count has a right around um, 400 cases. I think right now they only have like six deaths so far. I think that's the last I heard. Um, but uh, so that that's the numbers in Japan at the moment. In the U.S., of course, it's already come here. Um, it's just really been kind of uh, ratcheting up in the last few days, last week or so. And uh, right now, there's a little over 150 cases that have been recorded. Um, more than likely, and this is probably true in Japan as well, more than likely that number is low. Um, especially here in the States, though, we've only really just begun testing. 
And so I have a feeling that those numbers are going to jump up very quickly um, because the testing has only just really started to get going. Um, and so uh, those numbers are gonna jump up, but uh, how much, who knows? I don't know how much, I don't know how quickly, but either way, my point is we do have over 150 cases here um, and you know it's kind of starting to, to spread around some. So, um, in fact, I actually think we have more deaths here in the United States than they do in Japan right now. Hmm. I think so. Um, but that's largely because it hit in Seattle, and I think it hit first kind of an area where there were a lot of elderly people. And that kind of leads to another statistic that this virus seems to mostly be hitting those who are elderly or those who already have compromised immune systems for one reason or another. And uh, it seems as though largely it's, it's sparing young, the, the young people, and, and in particular children. Children seem to be largely spared from this um, for reasons that aren't totally clear yet. Also, people in Sarah's and my age group in our 30s are, you know, may get sick, but don't, the, the uh, mortality rate is, is quite low. But it jumps up a lot higher very quickly after you get, I think, like beyond age 60. Um, and again, if you start talking about compromised immune systems and other things like that, then you start seeing that increase. So uh, we've been paying attention to these numbers and looking at uh, how things are, looking at the things that we need to, that we think we need to be thinking about. We've been praying about it, certainly. We've prayed about, you know, for God to give us wisdom, give us insight. Uh, we've talked to other people. We've talked to some missionaries, asked them their input on this. And uh, basically, all of that said, we feel comfortable continuing on as we've planned. Um, we don't intend for this to stop us. Now, obviously, there's some things that are out of our control. It's always possible that Japan could say, you know what, we're just cutting off all connection to other people for a little bit. And so you're not going to get your visa. You're not going to be allowed into the country or whatever. Something like that could happen. Um, I don't anticipate that. I hope it doesn't, but it could. So, um, but if that, you know, were to happen, obviously that would change things. But right now, as it stands, our plan is to, you know, get our visas and to move forward and to move over there. Um, obviously, we will wash our hands <laughs> very thoroughly. We've been already, been already been teaching the kids to try to wash their hands more. We've been using hand sanitizer more. We've stocked up on a few supplies. We tried not to go too too crazy on it. Sarah might think that I've gone a little bit crazy <laughs> on a few things, but Leslie and um, I have very different personality types with stuff like this. <laughs> yeah, well, and you know, I, I grew up in Florida, kind of. I mean, I grew up in Florida and also lived in Japan, and so you know, when I was a kid, and so I kind of grew up thinking in terms of of preparedness for disasters and things like that. So. I, you know, have a few things that I do, but I don't, I don't go crazy. You know, I'm not stockpiling things. We did, I did get a lot of um, hand sanitizer in particular, but that was largely because I know that they're almost entirely sold out in Japan of that. It's been hard to get that stuff. And then on top of that, you know, I know other people may not have it. So my thought was if we had a little bit extra possibly to give to some people that couldn't hurt, but you know, we'll see what happens. We certainly have enough for ourselves, and I think enough to possibly give to at least a few other people. I mean, I can only bring so much. You know, I can't. Uh, I, I unfortunately can't ship it, and I can only fit so much into a suitcase. Um, and I'm not even sure what I'm allowed to bring in the suitcase entirely. I'm still gonna have to figure out a little bit of those details, how much I'm allowed. But at any rate, that's we. we I have a couple of boxes of masks that I thankfully was able to get again something I don't want to hoard largely because I know that the healthcare providers really need those more than we do but it's good to have at least a few just for you know your occasional outing that you really, really might need it for um, 
I'm going to laugh if we get there and it turns out that someone stole it all out of our suitcases. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I've thought about that. I've thought about, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if I get there and I'm like, wow, this suitcase is super light, you know, and there's like one left in there. You know what, though? If someone needs it that badly, then I'm glad that they have it. Yeah. I'm not really glad they stole like, it, but. Yeah. I mean, it would be good that they stole it. But I mean, you know, if they really feel like they desperately need it, whatever, you know, I mean, we'll still have soap and we'll wash our hands and whatever. But anyway, um, so that's, you know, that's basically how we're preparing for it. Um, you know, we are thinking about things. We don't want to get sick, but we feel like it's, you know, we're pretty good if we, if, even if we do get sick more than likely, obviously there's no guarantee, but that's the case with the flu. Now I want to be careful. I'm not saying that this is the same as the flu. I do believe statistically this is a greater burden than the flu. Um, but my point is the flu does kill people as well. Um, you we've know, had multiple people we knew who died from the flu. Yeah. I mean, we've known, we've known people who, who passed away from the flu who were younger. So it can happen, but statistically it's very rare. Both of us, our entire family has had the flu before yes. and we haven't died. You know, obviously the vast majority of people don't die, but it's always possible. But then again, you know what? It's also possible you die in your car. It's also possible you have a wreck. It's also possible um, the plane crashes on the way there, you know, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I think about. Um, that's, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm way more worried about the plane crashing than I am about this virus. Uh, I probably shouldn't be. I know statistically, well, actually, I'm not sure what the statistics are in comparison, but either way, statistically, it's very unlikely for us to die in the plane crash, but that's more what I'm afraid of. Um, but we my, also uh, just found out that, um, in our County, there's someone who has coronavirus. So yeah, it's not like here. we're super safe. Here yeah, and, and, yeah, and I think that's an important point to, to say. People are worried about us going there, but the reality is there's no guarantee you're safe here either. You know, here or there, you're going to have to wash your hands. You're going to have to be careful. You're going to have to start practicing social distancing techniques. All of that's going to be true. But the key to us, and I think a big thing that pulls us to go regardless of this virus, and in fact, I, I would almost say because of this virus to some extent, is that it is an opportunity for the church and the gospel to shine. You know, that, that's, that's the big thing. I was talking to a missionary the other day, a person who, um, this man really just exudes the spirit of God. He is somebody that when you talk to him, you know this man knows Jesus. You know this man walks in the spirit of God, and he has done so much good work. He has made so many disciples, and I trust this man's judgment on spiritual matters um, deeply. And that's what he reminded me of is, you know, throughout history, there have been plagues, there have been viruses that have spread throughout history. And the church was always there staying and, you know, working and trying to serve in those situations. And it can be scary, of course. Um, but I think God calls on his church and on his people to choose faithfulness over fear. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, to say, you know, this is an opportunity for us to uh, experience solidarity with our community. It's an opportunity for us to show them how much we care about sharing the gospel with them. Whenever they might think it makes more sense for you to stay in the States and you go, they see that you love them, that you care about this mission, that what you're going for matters to you deeply. And it also gives you an opportunity to share with them hope when things can seem kind of dark and scary. And, you know, the gospel is largely about hope, right? It's about sharing a hope. I mean, Jesus is risen from the dead. He died and he rose from the dead and he has promised that to his followers. And so 
for those who will choose to be his disciples, he will share that blessing of resurrected life with them. And so for us, even if we die, you know, we have that hope of resurrected eternal life with Jesus. And so that is the message that we want to share with them as well. And in a time like this, it, it could be, I mean, I don't know, God knows, but I think it certainly could be a rare opportunity to share the gospel with people, a message of hope with people who often are caught up in their daily lives and not thinking about their mortality, not thinking about the spiritual realities of life. This is an opportunity to show them that Jesus is true, that the gospel is true, and that they should choose to follow Jesus over idols and over, you know, idolatrous worship. They should worship Jesus because he alone has defeated death and he alone gives them the hope that they need in this situation. So that is a, a big part of what has made us feel like this is the right thing to do. You know, especially because we know, we feel confident, I should say, that, you know, we are not in the most greatest danger zone for this disease as far as, you know, it having grave effects on us. The vast majority of people who have this are having mild symptoms. And so, you know, for us, we feel like we're in a safe place to make that, that choice um, for our family and also still show people that we care and build that solidarity and share the gospel. That reminded me of something that we heard back in 2011 after the March 11th earthquake. No, it was 2012 that we heard this. Um, we had gone to the Fried Hardman lectureship and we were in the missions forum or or one of the missions classes. And I remember that you had asked Mark Blackwelder what the best way is to respond after a disaster. And Mark... Sorry, Dr. Blackwelder said the best way to respond is to already be there, to have gone through it with them. And I mean, I, I feel like that fits along with what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. That's what I, I remember him saying that, too, that the best thing you can do is already be there. And I really wish we were already there, to be honest. I've thought about that a lot. But, you know, um, even if we get there in the middle of this, that's OK. Um I don't think people are going to look at that and be like, oh, that doesn't matter because they still know that you're there and it's still ongoing. That's the thing, you know, with a disaster like a tsunami or earthquake, it happens and then you're gone. And so if you weren't there when it happened, you didn't experience it. But if you fly in in the middle of this, you do experience it from the minute you touch down. When you touch down, they're going to be asking you questions. They may, you know, monitor your temperature and things like that. Um you know, you might wear a mask on the train. You're already thinking about being careful about touching things, especially in an airport. And so you are actively experiencing that with them from the moment you land. So I, I do think, you know, it is an opportunity for us to, to follow that advice, to be there, to, to, to do what we can. Obviously, there's only so much we can do. I mean, we're not doctors. Um, you know, I, I unfortunately, as far as I know, don't have any healing power that God has granted me, you know, that I can lay hands on people and heal them. But I do believe God answers prayer. And I believe that we can pray for people. I believe that we can be, you know, talking with them and praying for them and sharing that hope of the gospel with them in this. And, um, you know, we can show them what it looks like to live a Christian life and walk as a disciple of Jesus in the midst of, of troublesome times. And so we really feel like this is an opportunity to serve, an opportunity to do good. Um, 
and an opportunity to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to do. So that's, that's why we don't really feel concerned about going. Um, you know, it can be scary at times. It, it can be disturbing for a lot of reasons. There's a lot of thoughts that go in to uh, things at, at times like this, but we trust God. And, you know, at the end of the day, God knows what we need. So if he chooses to close the door for right now, that's his, his prerogative, and, and we leave it up to his, his goodwill and his perfect timing. But uh, right now, that's what we're planning to do, to go, to serve. And uh, again, hopefully our prayer is, and we ask that you would pray this too, if we are able to go soon, like we anticipate and are hoping, that uh, God will open those doors and use this in a way that will allow us to serve that community and uh, build that solidarity and create relationships and opportunities that um, can lead people to Jesus. Again, that's why we're going. That's why we're going. And uh, this is a great opportunity to uh, carry that out. So, um, you know, you can always message us if anybody's ever scared or, or thinking about something in particular. We've had, there was somebody recently, a friend who said, who came up and immediately was just like, <laughs> please don't go, please don't go. And, you know, I, I understand that feeling. But uh, like I said, we as Christians are called to choose faithfulness over fear. And um, that's what Jesus has called us to. And uh, we want to be obedient servants to him. And so we trust him in this. And uh, I'll be honest, I, I personally don't even feel like this is requiring a ton of trust. Maybe for some people they feel differently. But to me, especially because we're young. Now, maybe if we were older, maybe if we were in a different situation, we might feel that way. Um, there is certainly... A, a bit of faith in it, I think, but ultimately, um, I don't feel like this is as hard as some people have it. You know, there's a lot of other countries where people have a much harder time. I think about what was the guy's name that that doctor who went to the to Africa, or the, I can't remember what the specific country was at the time, but they were they were having the Ebola. Kent uh, something. Yeah. Anyway, I think about him. Now that takes bravery. Okay, <laughs> going into the middle the middle of an Ebola uh, breakout. That's that's you know serious faith um but those are the kind of examples that we look to and say that's that's the kind of you know christians we want to be um we want to serve jesus faithfully and uh, so that's what we're going to aim to do and like i said we're going to wash our hands for 20 seconds at least and use lots of hand sanitizer the kids have been practicing that but even boston goes in there and washes he counts to 20 although i did have to tell him the other day i realized he was running his hands under the water for 20 seconds i said no you got to scrub with the soap for 20 seconds then you can rinse it off yeah um so, i just looked it up it was kent brantley kent brantley that's right yeah so anyway um so that's our thoughts on the coronavirus and uh you know we would encourage all of our friends here to pray you know pray about this for us but also pray about it for the church here in the states um, you know, it's always possible that it grows and that it's something that the church is going to have to deal with and think about. I'm sure some of you are already thinking about it in relationship to your church services and things of that nature. So we want to pray that uh, God will work in this situation, that if he's willing, that he'll make it go away, that he will weaken it, you know, give the doctors the ability to treat it. Um, you know, help the vaccines to come through really quickly so that lives can be spared. But we also want to pray that God will use it for his glory. Uh, and I hope that we'll never forget that, that as we pray about these things, that we remember that these are opportunities for God to be glorified and for people to come to know him. And as the church, that's our goal. That's our mission, you know, to, to go to teach the world about Jesus and make disciples. So I hope that we'll all keep that in our minds as we uh, pray about this. 
So anyway, that is uh, basically our main updates right now. Um, I'm sure we'll have more updates in the near future as things you know progress and come along. There's uh, Things are constantly changing. I hope that next week we will have our COEs or the, Sarah and the kids will have their COEs. And uh, just be praying, please, that that will be smooth, quick, and that um, everybody who sees our documents, whether it's the immigration office, the embassy, or, you know, people looking at our application for this apartment, that uh, God will grant us favor in their eyes and uh, that everything will move along smoothly and quickly so that we can uh, serve his kingdom effectively in Japan. Um, yeah, so I think that's about it. Sarah, anything else you wanted to share before we close out this episode? Oh, I do want to say, if you guys have any topics that you want us to cover in future podcasts, please email us or contact us in some way and let us know because we're sitting here saying, what do we, what should we talk about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we, I mean, I've done Q and A's before through Facebook live um, with the girls when we lived in Japan last time. And we did like an hour long thing because people kept asking questions and I thought it was so much fun. So yeah. we would love to do that. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I know we're not in Japan yet, but if you have any questions or anything you're thinking about, shoot those over to us. Uh, again, our website is tailorsinjapan.com, and you can contact us through that website. You can also choose to support us through that website. Oh, I did completely forget about that. We should say one quick thing about our support. Yeah. We are absolutely so incredibly blessed and grateful and thankful to everybody who has partnered with us. Um, our support has just grown in leaps and bounds for this work. Our original aim was to raise $15,000 for our one-time support. We've raised over $18,000 already. On top of that, our uh, bare bones budget was $3,500 a month. Our full budget was $4,750. We have already raised 93% of our full budget, which is far more than we had raised the last time that we went to Japan. So that, that budget allows us to even look into this apartment. Yes. Uh, this apartment is a little bit more expensive than our previous one was. It's not majorly more, but it's about, I think, 100 to $150 a month more than our previous one was. Um, and, and this extra budget really helps us to be able to look at an apartment like that. So we are very grateful for that. Um, you know, we're so grateful for everyone who has partnered with us already. And uh, just, man, we're thankful. God has provided abundantly we know that he's going to continue to provide and we're so thankful to each and every one of you who has been a part of that and uh, know that we are working hard already so that we can um, work even harder when we get to japan and uh, bear that fruit that god will credit to you so thank you so much and thank you for your prayers thank you for your support um and uh yeah but of course we do have a little bit more to raise so we would love to do that you know if possible if we could get to that full budget that would be awesome um, but we have already been blessed so much and we're, we're grateful for that. Yes. Thank you guys. Well, um, I think that's about all our time that we have today. So, um, we want to thank you guys for listening and again, shoot those questions over to us. If you have any tailors you can reach us there. Um, and, uh, feel free to, to shoot questions over to us, anything you'd like for us to talk about. And we'll try to cover some of that perhaps in some future episodes. This has been Leslie and Sarah, and thanks again, guys, for listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, blessings, and may we all faithfully serve the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm.